My friends and family, welcome to a very special edition of the Circle Up podcast. This episode was recorded back in April of 2020, and it is only being released today because it was like this hidden archived clip um, back in April when the coronavirus situation started many 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 canadians many north americans globally people were losing their jobs at an unprecedented rate and that included me and uh, for many reasons that is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me and uh, the last six months of my life has been exciting and filled with growth and filled with uh, a lot of happiness um but what ended up happening when I lost my job was I had like five or six podcast recordings that were on a cloud server attached to my workplace and all of them were erased immediately. And so I, uh, I lost a podcast with my buddy Abdu that I loved and was excited to share with you. And I lost a few others, including the one I'm about to share with you. So it's like, how did this happen? Well, it happened because my guest happened to be recording it as well and I got this copy and uh, my audio doesn't sound phenomenal but his audio sounds phenomenal and that's all you need to make this episode really special because the gentleman we're about to speak to or you're about to tune into is known as the mushroom hunter he has over 100,000 hits on YouTube for videos of him in the forest with his friends, with his family, hunting mushrooms. He took his passions for health and nutrition and for personal development and put them all together with what he calls a triple edge effect into creating a business that is serving thousands of people globally. It's a phenomenal product called Black Magic. And in this interview, we talk a lot about trusting your gut, trusting your intuition, being able to see how everything that's happened to you in your life has helped you arrive to this point and you already have all that you need to be able to create the businesses that you want, to be able to create the relationships that you want, to be able to create the results you want in your life if you only pay attention to what's already there. So I couldn't be more excited, like I said, to uncover this hidden archived episode um, with my, my brother, a man in my life who is a role model for me and a lot of people. Welcome to the show, none other than Mr. Shane Tyler Milson. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here. I'm excited for this. Yeah, man, you're like a, some sort of like a Mustang or some like some wild horse stallion trying to corral you is very challenging. Uh, the first time we tried to do the show, I think you were in Italy and then I tried to grab you when you're in Colombia. But now that you're back in Aurora, we could finally make this happen. Leave it till we're 20 kilometers away for this to finally actually happen, you know, and good thing of quarantine is podcasts and live streams are actually a far more accessible <laughs> proposition at this point. And I couldn't be more ecstatic. Beautiful. To on the show. Me too, man. Sincerely. Sincerely. And like in just to, just to get it off kind of like my chest of acknowledging who you are to me, and I think that's really important, is uh, in 2016, my friend Ryan DeWinter, who is one of the, the big influences in my life around fitness and nutrition, he introduced me to this product he loved called hmm. Black Magic. And he said, it's this chaga mushroom drink. I had no idea what chaga was. I didn't know what medicinal mushrooms were. And he said, you should really try it. It's, it's delicious. And it, it is delicious. And it's really good for you. And so I actually bought it for my girlfriend for her birthday one year. And that was the first time I ever experienced the product. And I had, uh, we had a lot of fun like learning and getting interested about mushrooms because it had never been a, a realm we had explored. And so that in of itself was uh, eye-opening for me and I know you know I'm a big fan of Paul Stamets now and mycelium running and and so you were one of the big catalysts there as well as Ryan and then the second thing that really stands out to me with my relationship of seeing you on social media and who you're being is Ryan and I and our friend Ian were in Belize in 2018 we were on vacation 
And I just remember we were just kind of chilling in our Airbnb one day, going through some videos of you and dude Radley, hmm. AKA Michael. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've got some questions for you about Michael, but you guys were just like in a coffee shop, just having the most fun that I've ever seen two people have in a coffee shop. And you just have this playful, fun, not take life too seriously context. And it, and I, I have to tell you, like, I never really put my finger on what were the things that allowed me to live into that, but you and Michael and the relationship you have has definitely done that for me. So I want to thank you for who you're being, who you're showing up as, as it's made a big impact on my life. Oh, brother. Thank you. That means the world. And it's crazy to not understand how many of those little moments, you never know where you're leaving an impact because God would have, God only knows. I, I never thought when, you know, Mike and I are playing around in a coffee shop, having fun, sharing that, that would reach you over in Belize with couple couple friends and have that effect so that's that's another testament to that idea of like you never know sometimes when someone's paying attention to something you're sharing and i appreciate it bro thank you for that for sure and i think a great place to start is setting some context for some people that don't know you i said some nice things in the intro but to give an idea of the types of ideas i'd like to explore today you are in many ways uh health expert and are very competent in that realm. And so talking about stress, talking about the situation that's happening in the world with coronavirus and how to boost your immune system, how to think about that situation as a path of like to go down. Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about building a business mm -hmm. because black magic is an incredible product. And, and I want to talk about how building that company has allowed you to design your lifestyle as well as really give you a sense of direction and purpose in your life. And so I want to talk about the mental health element of building a company as well. So the best place to start for me is the first question of the show is, this is gripped. And it seems to me like black magic and building that company has really gripped you. What about that, that company or the product or what you stand for in black magic is really gripping you? The whole prospect of building black magic over the last three and a half years has opened me up to a way of connecting with people that I've never met and never thought imaginable. For instance, on a day-to-day -day basis, we have people ordering that we never have heard their names. We've never seen them before. We may never actually meet them, but there's this feeling of an entire group of people from around the world. We have order from France today. We have orders from South Korea. We have orders from all over, all over the U.S. and Canada. And because of that nature of not being able to see so many of the customers, 99% of the customers we have never met over these three and a half years. Thousands of people have had the product that we'll never see. And there's a magic, though, of having people believe in a vision and believe in the path of what you're trying to do. Almost like a part of a movement. Because that's what I wanted to create from the very get-go with Black Magic was a movement. I wanted people to start to take products that they would actually feel, but more importantly, have products that are sustainable, artisan handmade, and specifically not just designed to improve you with your health and vibrancy, but to actually open up your consciousness. That was the premise, was to have people wake up. Otherwise, I would have done a spirulina product or a ginger shot or you know a million other health food products. There's a lot out there, and it took me five or six years to come to the point where I was like, oh my God, I found something that actually woke me up, got me out of my slumber. And that was the whole idea, was the movement from the get-go, from how we posted on Instagram, how we proposed ourselves with our brand, with our black and gold coloration on the label versus the classic green leaf, all natural, non-GMO on the label. We went the other way. Instead, we went assuming the audience would already understand that we're doing that and we're actually going a level further. So to feel so many people around the world support the movement and people we've never met that was one of the things that was really transformative throughout this entire journey so far to be able to have that and also to surround myself with a team of people who are all equally passionate and so engaged in making this there's not one person on this entire team from the u.s to the canada side that's not all in and really truly believes in more than just making a product but actually believes in making a difference in someone's life. And I know it can sound kind of corny, but making a difference in a way that people actually get pretty mad if we don't get them their product on time, not simply because of like, oh, you know, I ordered this product I expected at a certain time. The what, expectation. The expectation. It went further than that I started realizing is people actually rely on it. They, and rely not necessarily in a bad way, but in a way that 
it's the one health food product that they're truly excited about because it's actually woke up their consciousness. And every time they take another order and they get another bottle of black magic, they can literally feel like shifting up into a new paradigm. So when people don't get that in time, they're thinking I've gone like five days without leveling up that paradigm. And that's the beautiful thing of what this has shown me is you can create a movement through business. You can do something beyond what's been done before. And you can reach people in a way that if I was just someone who had never made black magic and I was just out there speaking about Shaga and Reishi, I, I really feel like my reach would have been always capped or limited. There's something that people take you a little bit more seriously when you've put something together, you've packaged it, and then you've delivered upon it thousands of times. You can then be trusted. Your word goes further. Maybe I even get more clout than I should because of making black magic, but at least it's helped me reach so many people and help them wake up. So that's the premise of something within this whole journey of black magic that's really gripped me and like pulled me into this game of starting a movement, which is an Aquarian thing that we all want to do as Aquarius. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people who are wondering what is black magic? What's chaga so, mushrooms? We don't need to get too deep in the weeds, but if you were to give the listeners who have no idea what you're talking about, like the 30 second skinny on chaga sure. mushrooms or what makes black magic so special, so, would you be able to share that? Certainly, yeah. So black magic is not a typical supplement. It's not something that you take a pill or a powder. It's actually an elixir. And that's a word that's not really been coined very often. But what it represents to us is an old apothecary alchemical concept of when people imagine your amber glass bottle at a health food store in the 1800s or a witch's shop, if you might. That would be exactly what black magic would be in the amber glass bottle. And it's a mixture of many different modalities of healing. So we have, you know, we have concepts in there like homeopathy. We have Ayurveda. We have Indian philosophy on it, Chinese medicine, North American herbalism. We've combined many different things into a liquid that you take daily that tastes like root beer. And the main ingredient in it is actually wild shaga mushroom. It's a mushroom that grows in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's one of the most medicinally, if not the most medicinally potent foods on earth from most of the research shows. Magnesium, selenium, zinc, so the wide spectrum of trace and macro minerals you need. Damn. Antioxidants, enzymatic qualities. We're talking a superfood to end all superfoods. And this is the main ingredient we use. We harvest it ourselves in Canada. And then we brew it in Ojai, California, as well as here in Toronto. And uh, we produce that and ship it around the world and something you take daily. You can add it to your coffee. I actually got it in my coffee right now. What and, are uh, you drinking, Shane Tyler Milson? Oh, I got a, I got a mix in here, baby. So I got, yeah, some bulletproof coffee. I want no mold on the coffee, please. I have some maple water, <laughs> freshly harvested maple water from my grandfather's farm. Brewed the shaga in the maple water. Used the water as the base for brewing the coffee in an Italian percolator. Then I added a little bit of grass-fed butter, a little bit of coconut oil, like the kind of bulletproof method there, and then added and added a pinch of uh, fresh maple syrup. So it's a mixture, and then I add my shot of black magic in over top. And believe it or not, coffee and shaga I think is the long lost rival to peanut butter and chocolate. I think it's been missing that there hasn't been a competitor since. I really think shaga and coffee belong together. If there's one thing clear for the listeners, it is that you are on fire. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're passionate, you're excited, you're what I would call gripped. Gripped. And so yeah. I, I cannot be more thrilled to have someone that is truly gripped by what they're doing in their lives as, a, as an embodiment of what we believe in and we stand for here. What I also know is there's typically a journey to finding what you're gripped by. It's not something that uh, you're born with and you're immediately gripped with every second. And I'm sure you have days where you're less enthusiastic than others. But can you walk me through maybe some of your humbler beginnings? Because you're growing a really exciting company with thousands of customers worldwide. You're traveling internationally. Like you have a really exciting lifestyle. Can you talk to me about one of my personal favorite topics, which is purpose? Mm -hmm. Because... I've found that the times in my life where I don't feel clear on my direction, yeah. where I don't know where the compass is pointed or what my next move is. And there's really this, this, there's sense of overwhelm of like, wow, I could really make a, a poor next decision. Cause I don't know what the direction looks like. Hmm. Can you, can you talk me through, have you ever been in a place like that? Or can you bring us back a couple years before you started black magic? Oh, certainly. Sure. So for me, 
Black Magic was the output of probably six years of really going the direction of Black Magic, but not knowing it was there. So for myself, going to university, going to college at that point when I was, you know, turning 18, when that decision comes around for people, that didn't feel like a clear green light to me. It felt very hazy. It felt very uncertain. It did not feel like the right move. I simply knew from a very early on point that I was going to be an entrepreneur of some point. And originally, really, it was more of a rock star. I wanted to go to LA and be a musician. That was actually the original desire and dream of mine. And I didn't realize until later that the universe sometimes has other stories for you. And perhaps you would go and have a different version of the rock star energy and go to LA for a different reason that is even better than what you could have first proposed. So for me, going to university or college wasn't the clear path. But thankfully, part of the path started to reveal itself very quickly when I got into personal development. I had come out of a breakup, and at the time, I was starting to read, you know, the books like The Game, and I was starting to discover, oh my God, there's a way to improve. There's a way to, right, great book. There's a way to improve yourself, which at that point in my life, I had only ever subjugated the idea of improvement as more like, ooh, I could get more fit in the gym or better at a sport. I never thought up till 17 years old, I didn't see that possibility that you would become more than just intellectually smart. You read more books, you become smarter, you go to the gym, you get stronger. I never thought you could become a better person, quote unquote. You can become more conscious. I had that awakening when I started going into self-development. After a period of time, um, 18 years old, I started realizing after a year of really diving deep into everything from hypnosis, NLP, you know, posture, vocal work, I realized there was only so high I could build on a foundation of having a weak support, a weak health, having um, compromised immune system where I was dealing with things like hyperhidrosis. I was sweating constantly. So I would walk around and I would go to my jobs at the time, like I was working at a cell phone place in Starbucks. I would go into these places and I would literally have to bring a second shirt just because I was sweating so much. And I had acne. Sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, I, I do, for people suffering with it, it sucks, but... It's crazy I'm, to think of it. I'm thinking of my friend Abdu because my friend Princey made this comic of our buddy Abdu that is is if he had a superpower, it would be Puddle Boy and he would just be able to like shoot sweat everywhere. I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> Poor guy. I should talk to him. It doesn't have yeah. to be this way, Abdu. Is it Abdu? <laughs> it is Abdu. <laughs> it doesn't have to be this way, Abdu. There is a way around it. So... I got, I got to the point where not only was I dealing with a lot of issues with my health, I was not feeling good. I was dealing with complete adrenal fatigue. I was having trouble sleeping. I was dealing with these things way too early on for what I felt. I thought this is shit that you feel when you're 60. So yeah. when I started feeling that, I realized how incongruent it was that I'm sitting around reading for like two hours a day. I'm taking audio courses. I'm watching videos. I'm taking notes. But here I am not feeling good. And I realize if this actually gets extended and continues for the next couple of years, how far will I really go with my own ability to become better as a person if I, my health is suffering? So I can't even enjoy myself. I'm not feeling good all the time. So it became my mission at that point to become healthy. And that is when I went deep down a rabbit hole of that realm. You know, when you start reading, when you get into something, you start reading the books, you start going and you start asking, all of a sudden the universe starts providing you every little stimulus possible to have you go deeper into that reality so you can learn more and more and more. So as I went further down that hole, I knew for sure at that point, I have already chosen not to go to university. And also this health thing is kicking off and I'm really noticing results instantly faster than even if I were to read a book and apply a new idea of like, oh, eye contact, look at the person like this and then speak. I was like, okay, you get certain results that way. But the results I got when I started just drinking my warm ginger tea in the morning with cayenne pepper to killing the bacteria in the throat. Then I start walking every day, like multiple times a day for hours. All of a sudden I'm noticing my body felt better in days. So I, I got so addicted to the idea of I can continue improving and notice the results quickly. So I took that health thing as far as I could go. I went to the deepest realms. I went to Mordor and back. I ended up <laughs> I ended up not even wanting to eat food if it was cooked on a Teflon pan because I didn't want the chemical or metallics in the food. So you can imagine how much other things. Sometimes you go a bit overboard. You do. You have to sometimes to know where to go back to. Where the line is, yep. So John and I go deep into this reality. I go deep. At this point, I, because I decided not to go to university, I thought, well, maybe, just maybe this is the process I should take as becoming an entrepreneur in the health industry. 
uh, I didn't know what to choose though because there was such a plethora of options. Because I was learning about everything from water. I was learning about herbs. I was then studying about electromagnetics and maybe there's like devices you can get that help protect you against them. There were so many different homeopathy, herbalism. I could go down so many different tracks that it became a, a, a paradox of choice. Which one do you choose when you have that many options? That's when it took about six years of distilling and starting up several businesses before Black Magic. I had a business selling electromagnetic chaos eliminators. I had a wheatgrass business. I was working in all different factions in the health industry. And I just knew every time I would go so far down the track, sometimes a couple months, it started becoming very clear and apparent, this isn't the one, but I always kept the idea of what Einstein used to say, or not Einstein, my apologies, uh, Edison used to say, whenever he was faced with failure, what other people call failure, he says, I didn't fail 10,000 quote unquote times to invent the incandescent light bulb. I actually found 10,000 ways in which it wouldn't work. And every time I found a way that it wouldn't work, I then knew I was getting closer to my ultimate success. I learned that very early on around 18, that principle. So I always saw that every time a business failed, several failed businesses, I just never saw it as a negative thing. I never saw it as a bad thing. And every time I got a little down the track on a new product, a new idea in health, if it wasn't feeling right anymore, I was okay to let it go because I knew it was getting me closer towards what would ultimately become black magic. I'll get you now to the starting point of when the business got closer. So I ended up becoming very deeply passionate about mushrooms. And that occurred because I was working with a health food company in Toronto and I was selling their products. I was going to Whole Foods, educating on superfoods. They had a line of superfoods, about 20 different options from goji to spirulina. Their main product though was their raw chocolate and it was some of the best. And I ended up- I know about that. Right? I ended up working with these this company and they were awesome at sourcing. They taught me a lot about how to really look at health and how to look at products and how they're made and where they're coming from. It really gave me a new spidey sense towards that reality. They sold shaga and reishi and they sold it in tincture and tea form. And at the time, I had really shockingly not come across it very much in any of the herbalism literature. I was very focused more on the more Western herbalism you know, things like echinacea and different herbs that would be used for fighting or combating illnesses or helping to stimulate the immune system. But for some reason, I rarely remember coming across mushrooms. It seemed like it was not ready for me yet. When I finally started working with this company, I, I got exposed to them and I started noticing the results people were having whenever they would come up to a booth at a health food show. You know, there's like the yoga show and the whole life expo. We would have a booth and people would come over to the section and see all the different super herbs and superfoods. It was always the shotgun reishi though that really got people excited, got people fired up. And that that stood out to me. And that's when I realized, oh my God, shotgun reishi grow in Canada. And not only do they grow in Canada, they grow in the areas like Muskoka, Algonquin, all the areas that I used to go to as a kid with my parents and family hiking and ATVing and camping. So then I thought, this is some weird twin flame type shit <laughs> with these mushrooms. Suddenly, it's like they've been there all along. I've been walking past them all along for all these years and never noticed it. So it ended up becoming something where I then spent every weekend going up north, mushroom hunting. And uh, thankfully, I had some awareness of that world of mushroom hunting thanks to my grandfather. I grew up in the summers when I was a teenager going to my grandfather's farm uh, out in Uxbridge. For anyone else that's not in Toronto, that's basically an area that's like an hour and a half kind of outside of Toronto. It's more northeast. He has a beautiful hobby farm there, 80 acres, you know, 40 cows, 40 chickens. He's got the whole little, you know, dream situation if you want a small farm. And I used to work on his farm in the summer. In the evenings, because my grandfather's Italian and it's summertime, he wants to go mushroom hunting because that's what you do in Italy and France. That's why I went there because I wanted to see it firsthand. And uh, he taught me the way of the mushroom. He showed me how to harvest it. He showed me how to identify them, how to find them beyond what you read in mycology, but actually how to really have like that intuitive sense of feeling where they are. You know, and he's an old school town. You wouldn't call it that, but that's how I would translate the message that he shared to me. So that's when things came full circle. Suddenly, I find out these mushrooms that are the best in the world, the best super herb, best superfood you can find, the thing that's just drawing people in by the masses whenever we do these shows 
this happens to grow in the areas I was hiking in when I was younger. And it just turns out it's one of my favorite activities that I used to do with my grandfather as a teenager on his farm, mushroom hunting. Ding, 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 ding. And that's the message I always want to share to people when they're trying to figure out, because the, the rest is history if people are already aware of Black Magic or if you check it out, I'm sure you'll see how that expanded. That is the key that I always try to explain to people when it's coming up with their own business idea, their own purpose or passion. A lot of the times, your own history left clues. Your life left clues of things that you would already be talented at or the things that you would have already loved. And you may have forgotten them. They may have been just something in the past before you got attacked by society telling you you can't do that. You know, up to a certain point, people inspire you and tell you you can be anything. You can be an astronaut, you can be a firefighter, you can be a policeman, you can be whatever you want. And then at a certain point, you get to the age, maybe it's grade seven, grade eight, people start asking you to be more serious and start to figure that out. And that's when people are stifled around 13 or 14. That's around the age you want to look back at what was the things you really wanted to do? What were the types of life that you imagined living? That's for someone who wants to go to that level where they're living their passion and living their truth and creating a business. And I feel that if anyone combines different ideas, like things from their past that they enjoyed, in my example, it was mushroom hunting, and then combines it with things they're currently passionate about or skills they may have, Thank God one of the skills I acquired over the years was public speaking because of the personal development. And I also learned about herbalism. I had spent many years just being obsessively treating myself like a guinea pig, making teas and herbs and mixing tinctures together and working alongside people where then it's like it came in tangent. It wasn't like I had to order these mushrooms from China. Suddenly I'm like, wait, I can harvest them myself, share that part of the journey rather than hide that part like most brands do with mushrooms they don't tell you where they get it. Instead, I can make that the highlight. Suddenly things made sense. And the idea of being an entrepreneur, it was like all these different realities coincided. I'll share you one thing that's interesting and probably most people can relate to this if they consider this. Joel Salatin, this is a very brilliant man. He's got a lot of books on farming and agriculture and biodynamic movement of really looking after yeah, the Ty land. Lopez. Ty Lopez. Ty Lopez's Lopez mentor. him. Yeah, same. He... I'd heard of him before, but I'd never dived into him until I heard Ty really propounding his ideas about, you know, philosophy and life. And something Joel Salton says is when you look at a forest, people assume that in the forest, that's where all the animals are in the middle of the forest. What Joel says is interesting is most of the animals actually aren't in the middle of the forest. They're actually on the edge of the forest. They're at the part of the forest where the forest meets a meadow or the forest meets a river or a lake, or the forest breaks and you start to have an uphill area. Animals like to go not to the middle, they go to where, where environments have an edge effect. And the idea is look for the edge effect in your life. Look where two environments that don't seemingly correlate actually connect and link. And that is where it gets interesting. Because when you start to look at, even if you look at mine and then compare it to your own journeys, imagine, for myself, it was mushroom hunting. Mushroom hunting as a kid. Okay, how on earth would that ever be a business? You know, that didn't seem like a reality. It wasn't even a thought. I just knew I loved it. So it was a passion. And whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're drawn to energetically, there's a hint there. There's something there waiting for you. And that's a possibility to create something. I took that and then I combined it with the idea of health and wellness. It turned out these herbs and mushrooms grew in the forest. Then I could take my love of also doing social media and sharing and doing it, creating an e-commerce business. That was exciting because I didn't want to be stuck at a nine to five. I want to travel the world. Wait a minute. I'm going to mix the old thing with this new thing over here and e-commerce. You have a triple edge effect there. That's what creates massive results and new ideas and new businesses and visionary concepts is when people do an edge effect. They find things that people didn't think connected and they bring them together. That is where the power is. That's magical. Yeah, there's a lot of creativity in bridging the gap between those worlds. I think I'll, I'll just give my personal example. Uh, going through high school and then just post high school, mental health was one of the most important things in my life. And I started sharing and talking about my experience with mental health. And then like you were saying, recently when I turned 23, I did what's called the men's weekend. And it's essentially personal development, leadership, communication for men. There's also a women's component to that as well. But obviously, I'm participating in the men's side. And then it finally clicked to me that mental health 
and this passion on mental health. And then the work that I do with men makes sense. And that's where mm. I created Circle Up, which is the men's mental health community. Um, and I'm, I'm really thriving inside of creating meaning from that and trying to pursue a purpose that's bigger than myself. So I do really see that intersection between those two worlds. I wonder what the third edge would be for this, um, this, this current duo, what the trifecta would be. So that's something for me to explore. There's so much of what you said there that I want to dive into. And, I, and I've got all these ideas of where I want to go with this. But the two that really stand out based off the things you said is I'm hearing intuition a lot mm -hmm. because you mentioned I'm at this crossroads where all my friends and where society's telling me to go to university, mm -hmm. but I'm not getting that sense that it's the right move for me. So I, I'm wondering how many of our listeners have come to a crossroads where the world was zigging in the traditional conditioned uh, social norm, social conditioning mode, and then and their desire, their passion, their intuition is leading them in a different direction, but they decide to conform. And so I'm wondering, how do we break free of that pattern? How do we follow our intuition? How did you do that for yourself? And how, how can you recommend that we do that as well? Yeah, that's a great question. That is an, that is an arena that to me, deserves the most level of study and focus because above all else no matter what you do in life you want to make sure you're enjoying yourself feeling good now and having having fun you're you're enjoying the journey everything else that is learned outside of that is only supplementary because if you don't learn the number one art if the person doesn't learn the number one art of just enjoying wherever they're at whatever's going on following that path and finding that place to feel good from it, no matter how bad or good it appears, you could be, you could be studying, becoming a nuclear engineer. You could be becoming the masterful e-commerce guy. You can do any other process, but if you're not learning to trust your intuition, you could easily go the wrong way. Just like not having a compass in the forest and trying to find your way out. If you don't know which way is North, Oh, North is where the society is and how I get out of the forest. If you don't have your intuition, your compass, that guidance, you could then end up doing, you could end up walking the wrong way for days. There are so many examples of where that can go wrong. I'm sure people can only imagine how far they can go the wrong way if they're not trusting that gut. Because if you were to just follow the way society is telling you to go, you can probably guarantee you're not going to live a happy life. And the reason why is because look around at most people. Are most people truly happy getting out of bed, enthusiastic, feeling good for the day? Are they excited to go to their job? Are they excited to come home at the end of the night? They're probably not. Like people's, people's lives of main society is not living a happy, prosperous life. It's being a good consumer and following the rules. And that's the thing is if we listen to what society's saying, we're making a horrible mistake because it's like listening to a personal trainer who's unfit. It doesn't make sense. It's not a good way to go. So for following that, thank God following that intuition became pretty clear to me, maybe through an accident and maybe also through some deliberation. So the accident might've been going into nature very often when I was younger. I think it gave me a more natural sense to trust myself. And I was able to learn from some mentorship with my grandfather being out in the forest. There was some level of being able to trust the signs of nature, trust certain things, ask certain questions. There was a curiosity that came up from being in nature that I think is very unique. And the reason I say it's an accident, because that wasn't one I even recognized until more recently in life, because I feel like now being in nature, how much more it's improved my intuition to be able to trust myself. And there's times when we're mushroom hunting where we end up going a weird direction because you're looking for shaga. Suddenly you're a mile off the path that you should have been. And then you really have to tap in because sometimes you didn't look at your compass where you went off the path or your GPS isn't working for where you are in the forest. So you have to kind of use your intuition again of where to go out. That's where that silence time of really getting, getting more heightened awareness comes in. And I think nature has an amazing way of recreating that for us because we had that originally. Now the version of intuition I'm talking about is different than instincts. So that to be clear, so that's more of like an insurance on your instincts, but I think they work tan in tangent. That's why I think being in nature is important and it's being in nature for the reason that in, when you're in nature, you have a chance to be more silent. The thing is it's hard to turn an intuition on when all day long, all you're doing is you're on your phone, 
you're trying to keep up with your daily regimen of how much you're going to post on Instagram or social media. You're then doing work on your laptop, handling emails. If you're too busy, you don't have a chance to stop and see that. And the reason I like to recommend that almost even more than meditation or yoga or any other option is because a lot of those things are active for people and they're a little difficult to get people started on if they're on ground zero with not doing it. But being in nature is a great way because, you know, who doesn't feel good when they at least go out to a forest when they've been too stuck in their phone, too internalized by their technology? So I think that's the first step is not necessarily the first step chronologically, but a first easy step for most people to take is carve out the space for you to actually get into into opportune moments for you to trust yourself again, to listen carefully to things outside of what you normally hear. Birds, you hear, you see the animals, you see tracks, you start to pay attention. And that's why the little secret thing of black magic, why we push so hard in the mushroom hunting is more of a spiritual thing. It's not just this idea of go harvest your food. That's sick. I love that. But there's something really amazing that happens that we've always noticed on mushroom hunts that people have told us consecutively. We've probably done 40, 50 hunts by now over the years where we take groups of 10 people into the woods. And the groups always, we ask them afterwards, how did you feel from that experience? What happened to you a week later in your life? Were there changes? And there are always dramatic shifts where people have realizations about the relationships they're in, maybe you're not serving them or the job they've been doing. They're not feeling fulfilled because when you're pulled out of that for two, three days and you're in the forest, we're cooking for them. You know, we're, we're jumping in the ice river and going in a sauna after them. We're mushroom hunting and you're looking at this mushroom up close in your face and you're like, what the, this thing's got blues and greens and red. You're paying attention and you're using different neural pathways. It starts to make you think differently and feel differently. You're touching trees. We get people barefoot. We get people doing writing exercises at night by the fire. We're playing Baroque classical music. Every single thing we're doing along the way during these mushroom hunts is triggering the process for them to then tune inwardly and forget their other reality. Let go of it for a second so you can get a bird's eye view on it. So a self-generated way to do that is go into nature. That's a big premise. So I can't I can't stress that one enough. I can't push people enough to that one. Just go into nature and mushroom hunting makes it more fun because then if you're anything like me, I actually don't like traditional hiking. I don't like going for walks, quote unquote. I like when there's a little bit of a treasure hunt to it. That's why mm. mushroom hunting became fun for me because if my parents or family ever asked me to go for a walk in the forest before mushroom hunting, I didn't really want to go. I only did it as more of a health thing. Like I know I have to walk, you know, about an hour a day. That's what people in blue zones, the healthiest people do. So I'll do it for that purpose. But it's like taking my apple cider vinegar. It's like, I'm not enjoying this. I'm doing this for a purpose. Mushroom hunting, once you have an identification ability of a few mushrooms, you can then go in the forest, whoever you are. And there's some fun to looking for turkey tail or shaga or reishi or culinary mushroom. Then you bring it home and cook. It's a fun to it. So it adds a treasure hunt element. So that's the first one. That was a long-winded one. I wasn't expecting to go there with it. But (laughs) (laughs) that that wouldn't be the first thing I would actually say. That would just be an easy giveaway one because everyone can get to know. Yeah, so low-hanging fruit right there. Exactly. Well said. The way to trigger the intuition is going to be, though, a lot of the elements I did mention – it's going to be processes where you start to remove distractions. Your, your intuition's functioning as it is. It's actually not to turn it on. It's just to listen to it. That's all it really comes down to. And the intuition, if I can define it, your intuition is almost like you hear you have the devil, the angel on one side. It's kind of that idea. But picture it's not on the shoulders. It's lower and it's in your solar plexus. It's in your belly. The intuition will function and come through your, your belly not your brain, not your head. So when you get most ideas or thoughts, they come to you. And the way they come to you is usually in a thought process. See, when people think they're, when people say they're feeling, usually they think they're feeling. It's a very tough distinction, but it's something that comes with time. It's like a palette that gets more and more refined as you get more and more experience. If you're going to learn about coffee or wine, it's going to take you some time before you really understand the nuanced difference between this Ethiopian coffee and this African coffee. You have to get acquired to it. But the first thing to recognize is where is the intuition coming through? Where are those energy centers coming through to give you information to know which path to go on? And that's where in my example, I was telling you earlier about trying to figure out which path I was going to take within becoming an entrepreneur within the health industry. Every time I tried something, I would just feel after a little while, okay, I'm selling these wheatgrass 
things. Um, people are enjoying it, but I'm not excited by it. Bingo. If you feel not excited by it, that's your intuition. Excitement isn't felt in the head. If people really feel, where does excitement come through? Excitement isn't like, ooh, it's up in my brain. I'm not excited up here. You almost get it down below where you want to move. When you get really excited or passionate, like almost your belly, everything wants to move. It's coming from lower. So that's the first distinction is start to get to trust your gut. They say trust your gut will follow your gut. It's for a reason because that's where it's coming from. Follow your heart, go lower. So if you start getting thoughts that are telling you to go a certain way, just question it, go a little deeper and start to get acquainted to it. I'll give you everyone an easy giveaway one. Picture doing this, this is how you train it. This is how I trained it. When it comes to food, everyone knows what food they like and what food they don't like. So if you think about the food you do not like the most, maybe it's a food you're allergic to, it's the last food you would put in your mouth. What would it be for you? Hmm. Foods that I don't like. But I the, really dislike, like, I despise favorite. licorice. I despise <laughs> licorice. Like licorice. Especially black licorice. Like the, like the, like the actual black licorice flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, it's disgusting. Okay, so what's your favorite food now? Oof. Maybe avocado. So like Might guacamole like maybe? Even? steak though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so steak, you would say? Yeah, if I would say ribeye with some sprinkled or salt, that would work. I don't know if this pairing would work, but maybe like the avocado on the side for dessert. <laughs> I I remember when I went to Electric Island for the first time in 2018, I ate one meal that day at noon because we were going to be in the sun for eight hours and dancing for eight hours. I ate a giant ribeye steak with a full avocado and a bunch of sauteed mushrooms. And that was the meal. I felt amazing all day. So it's a food that makes you feel good. Probably when you eat the black licorice, you're not enjoying it. And it probably doesn't make you feel no. good because you're not enjoying it. So imagine this now, Jonathan, you're, you got the, you got two plates. Okay. If I point you towards the black licorice thing and I say, do you want to eat this? Where is it actually coming from the, the answer that's saying no or yes to that? Is it really coming from up high in the brain? Or are you feeling just immediately like, oh, I don't want that. It's a feeling. It's not a thought. It's not like your thoughts are saying, I don't want this because of X, Y, and Z. You don't even know why you don't like it. <laughs> you just know you don't like it. You can feel it. It's yeah. immediate like you know your name. Now, when you look at the steak and the avocado, it's a primal reaction. Like you just want it. Your body is drawn towards it. Exactly. There's the idea of intuitive eating, intuitive health. It's the same idea with choices in life. It's not just for food where you know that. That is an instinctual energy that's intuitive that flows through you that shows you which path to go on. It's giving you guidance that's outside of what your radar screen is. If you imagine your radar screen is a circle right here of all of what you know in your reality. You know if you want a new job or you want to create a new career or you want a relationship. You can think of all the people you've met that are potential for your relationship that you can start with them. I want a new girlfriend. Okay. Here's all the potential girlfriends I could have that I ha I've already gone on dates with, people I know, people who are single. If you want to start a new business, you're like, here's all the things I'm talented at. You have an idea of what those are. It's all in this circle size. But we all know what's outside that reality, what's off, off that radar screen is infinite because you have no idea. You might go to the store today and on the way there, you stop for gas and you might meet the partner of your life. They might be filling up gas. It could happen. Anyone could acknowledge there's unlimited possibilities. You could get on a plane right now and go to another country, go back to Belize, and all of a sudden you're there and you meet the love of your life. They could be anywhere at any time. It's not just the people who are already in your circumference. It's likely probably not someone on the circumference if you really think about it. And the same with career paths or any option in life. So because of that, here's what's magical. The brain and the way the brain thinks only functions within this. You only look at what's on your radar screen, all the things you can imagine, but it's so limited. Your gut, people have to bear with me because it's, it's a tough one to prove. It's only something you could know in retrospect that you, when you start to trust this mechanism, the gut over the mechanism of the brain, you start to see, oh my God, my brain is usually wrong. Most of the time it's wrong. If anything, it's actually what's off the radar screen. Imagine the radar screen if you could illuminate all the dark area, the area that you didn't know of all the other options that exist, that's what your gut's feeling. And imagine it goes 100 feet in all directions when all you have in your logic is up here. 
That's why when it really comes down to it, trusting the brain. Now, it's not saying don't use logic. It's definitely still to use logic. Use rationale. But use it where it counts. Use it in figuring out a business problem. But ultimately, the superiority, the thing that takes allegiance over all else is my gut. When my gut feels something, I just trust there's something off the radar screen in the dark part that I can't see or know. My gut is feeling in advance. It's telling me, don't do that. Don't go down the path of selling this product because X, Y, and Z, God knows. I don't know. It knows. I'm just going to trust it. And when you trust it, you live a better life because you feel better in every choice you make because you're making the one that feels good. And the end goal of all of the things we're trying to accomplish are always coming down to the feeling of a positive emotion of feeling good now. So why not just jump to it right away? And the way you jump to it is you trust your gut to go towards the feeling good now things. And I wanna add one caveat before we continue because this is very important. I feel like a lot of information that's out there on almost every topic, if you learn what it is that in any topic, if you only learn 90%, you can only go so far and the other 10% will fucking kill you. The, it's the, it's the night people can learn almost everything about a topic. If you don't learn the couple nuances, those nuances will take you out at some point. That's important because I could tell you that and you like, okay, I just trust my gut for everything. But then you're also not balancing the idea of, well, what if you're not, what if you're misreading the signal of the gut? And that's the important nuance I want to make clear. So the 10% I'm not telling you is not fucking you up. Here's the biggest thing. This is why I got into health so deeply because I realized early on when I recognized my intuition was a better option to trust, kind of like the surrender experiment, the, uh, the author in that book decided to just surrender. He went a specific definable route and let me see what life's like if I do this. I went the specific definable route of, I'm gonna trust my intuition over all else. Even if it seems stupid, it doesn't seem logical and I'm gonna trust feeling good now and make those options. The reason health became so critical to me was because I questioned right away wait a minute, what if I'm misreading the signal because here I am just getting into health and I'm realizing I still have addictions to McDonald's. I still have addictions to Coke, uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> I still have addictions that are telling me as I drive by the McDonald's, ding, ding, ding. Oh, I'll feel good if I eat this. No, that's sure. not your gut, but it can be misread as that. It's a chemical addiction. So you gotta be careful this is more veteran advanced information to know that later on as you get better, you'll start to recognize things you thought were your gut. Oh, I'll go hook up with this person, not remembering all the issues that can come from, you know, you just go hook up with some random person. All of a sudden you find out, holy shit, it's like a nightmare dealing with this person and they're a part of your life now. You, there's so many things that can go wrong from that. So I want to be clear that, that that advice that I'm giving is only in the merit that you really understand. You may misread it and get good at cleaning your body up, get clear at constantly looking back and saying, was that actually a good choice? Where did I maybe misread how I felt towards that? Thank you for that very in-depth. Uh, and a lot came to mind for me as you were explaining this. I want to get into building a business and designing a life and some of maybe the insights you could share over the last few years of growing the business. The one insight though that that did really connect with me is you know that caveat it reminds me of jim Rohn, and jim Rohn would always say be a student and not a follower and so people should go find their own information if they're curious about it they should seek it for themselves christopher hitchens one of my best friends heroes always talks about take the risk of thinking for yourself so really take everything that that Shane's saying and then if you are curious about it go spend more time inside learning how you can use it for yourself the other, the other thing that comes to mind, I just want to touch on this one last element of trusting your intuition because I want to ask you, when it comes to being successful, growing your business, and living the life you've always wanted to live, becoming the man you've always wanted to be, building your dreams, how important is the, the idea and the concept of instant gratification versus like you were saying, it might feel good in the moment, but I need to get out of my comfort zone, right? So there's this element of like, how do I, how do I put that off to the future? That's a great, see, this is where you get nitty gritty with it, right? Because 
at first the premise is like, oh, amazing, sounds good, just trust my gut. But then you go a little deeper and you're like, oh, this is the 10% I'm saying. If you don't know this 10%, the other 90% will actually hurt you. You know, have you heard people say the line, I know enough to get me hurt. I know enough to screw myself up. You know, they say that. Yeah, I know enough to be dangerous. Exactly. I know enough to be dangerous, usually to myself. (laughs) So (laughs) the, the precaution, and this is where the nuance and the balance and looking at it really, really is important. So I'll touch on that. I think it's a really important one. That's a question I've had for many years and really had to go into that world of delayed gratification versus instant gratification and understanding the balance. Now, if you look at people like throughout history, I, I recently was actually just listening to George Foreman and George Foreman being one of the world champions at boxing. George Foreman used to talk about the idea of when he would go do runs in the morning, he would wake up before the sun would even rise and he would be do, out there jogging for an hour before he'd even start his boxing regimen. And he would talk about this idea of how much he hated waking up in the morning and getting out of bed and getting on the track. There was, there was this, distinct element of disdain he had for it of like oh i fucking hate this this is horrible i just want to sleep in but there was not what you described earlier around feeling good that's for sure exactly now here's the key this is the energy that is also there at times because feeling good imagine how many emotions fall within the feeling good spectrum there's love there's bliss there's contentment there's peace there's meditation calm there's a lot of variations of feel good now. Good is such a massive definition of a word. So feeling good for someone like, let's say, George Foreman or maybe yourself, if you're out there hustling and doing hard work and for us, it's like packing orders and going in the woods and you're not finding any shaga. There's a part of you that's like, fuck, this is horrible. Like it's been hours. Why can't I find a single mushroom? Or I've been working on the laptop for hours doing emails. My eyes are hurting. There's that part of you that, that's right. That's like the George Foreman waking up early and going and doing it. But it's like a a tongue-in-cheek sentence saying, I hate it. Because if you are doing what you're meant to be doing, there is a part of you that will certainly feel at times that this is tough, this is hard, I'm not enjoying this. But you ultimately know the reason you're doing it is towards a goal that you feel so good about, you're so called to, it's like a destiny to do it. And that's where it's like the tongue in cheek, like it hurts, I hate this, but I kind of love it because it's getting me there. It's that progressive growth. It's like life is so much like a video game in so many ways that like you don't want it to be too easy, but you also have to have a merit of challenge with it. Because if it was too easy and you're just in this bliss state, like, ah, oh, I just go around and kill this guy and kill that that bad guy and it's easy and it's flow. <laughs> it's too, it's like you get to the end goal and you didn't even enjoy the process. You start to just get bored with the game and you put it down after 10 minutes. But if it's just challenging enough and you keep getting killed at a certain level and you can't get past that level until you kill that one boss in the game, that challenge in it, even though you keep dying and it doesn't necessarily feel good, it's the feels bad, it kind of hurts so good. It's the hurts so good mindset. Mm -hmm. There's a part of you that knows it's for such a good purpose that it feels good ultimately if you scale it out. Maybe in the micro in that exact moment it doesn't feel good, but over the macro, you're like, this actually does feel good, even if it hurts. So yeah. it, it's a big spectrum there on feel good. It's not necessarily as defined as like, it's got to be this blissful, excited state. But this is this is particularly aiming more at the conversation towards if you're choosing what you want to do with your life. That's the key point to get people on the starting point and getting them off the, off the go, off the green light, getting to the starting point in the first place is, well, are you doing what you even want to do with your life? And I think if you look at a macro of a couple of weeks, if you're doing the same thing for a couple of weeks and not having any moments of enjoyment, maybe that's where you question, all right, this is a little bit torturous. But you're going to have moments of enjoyment, even in hard processes, if you're doing something you're meant to do. So that's where the clarification comes in. And that's a really good point. I'm glad you wanted to hit that harder because that's when I always feel a little off saying if i don't get a chance to be able to cater it with other information otherwise i would feel like i would be giving someone bad advice or myself bad advice years ago if i did not know that little little tiny nuance there that's why long form is my favorite way to do these we never get into everything that we want to talk about but when there's an opportunity to clarify that can make a big difference like if you 
take on delayed gratification. Like studies have been done on kids in a room with a marshmallow and the ones that actually wait for the supervisor to come back, they give them a second marshmallow. Like you can check out that study done on students and marshmallows online. It's really powerful. The kids that ate the marshmallow while the teacher was gone versus the kids that waited for the promise that there would be a second marshmallow when they came back, the ones that waited and delayed that gratification, they became dramatically more successful than those that did what felt the best in the moment. That is so key, Jonathan, to like, that's such a good point because this is where the idea of the, the stoic philosophy of know thyself comes so deeply intrinsically into this conversation because people will understand their merit of how delayed gratification they can go. Some people love a challenge of something like my dad used to do when he was a teenager he used to tell me he would try to see how little money he could spend if no money at all possible for weeks where my dad would wow. literally like pack lunches do whatever he could to not spend money and it would actually be like a game to him of delayed gratification of saving money versus spending it but there comes a point where sometimes for someone let's say if you did that for a couple of weeks you try that same game you're like how 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 much can i go out and just not spend money you know, for how long as a game, there's a certain point where you get a nudge where you're like, eh, it's time for a new shirt or it's time for, you know, a tune up on my car or whatever it may be. There's a point where you have to kind of know yourself to know where you're at with that idea of delayed gratification and test your limits. If you're just constantly in a state of, I'm never going to give myself any pleasure. I'm not going to sit down and just watch a, you know, an episode of my favorite show on Netflix and I've been hustling for weeks. There's a point where it's like, Oh, come on like what do you try to prove like let go a little bit and enjoy yourself i i do like an epicurean lifestyle i do like modern thrills of getting on a plane and traveling somewhere when maybe at times in my business it's not been the best move maybe i should have stuck around and focused more on the business on the home front but there's also times where i think i get that nudge that feeling and that's why it's it, this is like yeah. why i say there's one thing to study and one thing to learn it's learn to know yourself very intimately, your gut, because that will be the thing that'll help guide you. You'll have so much fun in your life because there's times where it seemed logical. I should stick around and work on my business. There's been a million things that seem a lot more logical, but I can tell you if I died right now and I look back, I'm way happier the way I did it versus if I listen to other people who didn't have my guidance system, who didn't know what was ultimately best for me because only you know what's best for you. So that's where it's understanding your balance of delayed gratification, instant gratification. One of the things you talked about when you described intuition was mushroom hunting. And I want to place us in a a northern community, in a forest where there's the opportunity to find chaga, the opportunity to find reishi. And I want to place you there with a friend. And I want to talk about friendship. And I want to talk about the importance of positive influences and role models and about mentorship. Because... In preparation for this podcast, I checked out a bunch of your YouTube videos. I've always been a follower, and so I I have some insight into the types of things you like to talk about. But I also called and had a conversation with your friend Michael. And he described meeting you when you were at Nature's Emporium and you were selling chocolate. And he, he actually, it's funny, he told me that one of the first conversations you had with him was about money. And you asked him, what's your thoughts on money? And the reason that like, I, I love that, that opening is because one of my mentors, Darren Hardy said, there's three types of conversation. There's conversations about people, events, and ideas. And he said, you should spend as much time as possible with people that talk about ideas. And so that like really gave me insight into the type of person you are. So anyway, he said he met you and then it went a couple of years before, you know, you actually spent some, some really one-on-one time. And he said, one of those transformational experiences for him was his first mushroom hunt with you. And he said he went up north and I'm going to make the connection here to, I was just listening to a podcast with my friend Ian, where he was talking to his brother about scoring his first NHL goal and kind of the feeling that he had of doing that. And Michael was saying that when the rain started coming down on this mushroom hunt, you, you kind of just like you two just started following your intuition of where you were going to go. And then he said, you were about 30 feet in front of him. And all he heard was this big scream. It was like, Oh my God. And all he saw was you threw your cameras down. You threw everything on the floor you were carrying. And you literally said you were on your knees bowing almost at what 
you found, which was this gorgeous reishi mushroom. And so uh, I want to talk about, you know, that experience, but I, but I, I want, if you can relate it to the importance of friendship, the importance of positive associations, mentorship. He told me that you have been one of the most positive role models in his life. And so I want to, you know, share that, that experience. And I was hoping you could, you could talk about kind of masculine relationships. Oh man, what a, what a can of worms you just opened. That is such a good memory. And I want to acknowledge you before I even say a single word on, man, you do your homework and that is respect. Like I can only imagine that call was probably a good time, but this is what is, dude, I can imagine. This is what makes you so unique and what I was already feeling just even looking at how you were putting yourself out there publicly on social media. I was like, this guy is full rounded. Like he is congruent. Like the word I said earlier to you, you're fully congruent and that's amazing. Like that is doing your homework. I don't know if it's for that purpose or whatever that may have been, but just even you even going into the conversation to then have that context coming into this is miraculous, man. Like respect, honestly, that's great. Thank you. Uh, there's some. There's been some men in my life that have created new realms of possibility, what's possible for me. And knowing and seeing the relationship that you two had, I was wondering what kind of an element that was. I didn't know that I was going to find that, but that's what Michael brought up for me. Michael touched on, and you touched on something with Michael, Everyone touched on something here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) A very, very interesting thing that happens when you're mushroom hunting, and especially when you're mushroom hunting with a group of people, uh, and you related to, to masculinity. And this is, to me, there is no better way that I've ever come across in any groups I've been in with masculinity or conversations around it than going back to the most primal of all things to do, which is go foraging for your own food. That is so built in the DNA. And to do that with a group of guys, I mean, it's amazing with all groups, by the way. There's a different dynamic, though, between if you're harvesting with women than men. And it's even in silence. It's not necessarily like in conversation. It's actually a feeling that comes up. And I've had a chance to now experience it with hundreds of people, mushroom hunting over these years, to know in all different age groups, all different categories. We're talking DJs, boxers, you know, lawyers, we've had every career path of a person. We've had all different age categories from people from around the world as well. I've mushroom hunted with from like different cultures. And there's, uh, there's an underlying energy though. That's always there, regardless of what their career path is that strips it all down back to the basics of primal foraging. And this is what I've always really loved about mushroom hunting, not only solo, but in groups. So mushroom hunting with other guys, I'll, sp- I'll speak specifically to, since you mentioned masculinity. That mushroom hunt with Michael you named was so powerful as a bonding experience because when you shut down the logical mind, and how often do we feel this, where you're with your friends and there's a certain merit of conversation that comes up. There's a certain way you communicate, hey bro, what's up? You you talk a certain way, but there's sometimes a moment where there's a flicker and you want to just share something with your guy friend so bad and just say, bro, like, I really love you, man. Like you honestly just get me. And like, I don't have a lot of people to speak to. And you open yourself up emotionally to a guy friend. And it can be tough to do. Maybe if you think of your friends, how many times have you really done it throughout years of knowing a friend, like really genuinely told them how much they mean to you. The thing with mushroom hunting and the thing with being out in the woods and being in the forest and being quiet with your friends is that feeling is felt without even being said. And that was the thing that I think bonded Michael and I specifically and created such a beautiful blossoming friendship many years later where we can share the most intimate parts of our lives of what's going on and really dig in and talk about the traumas in the past or ideas we have or dreams that we wouldn't share in public because they're so big that people call us idiots or whack jobs that even think that big. That create that relationship I think really does come back to those moments where you can be vulnerable. And when you can be vulnerable is when you're out in the forest and you're quiet. Because at some point, your logical mind seems to just flutter away. And suddenly you're tapped into your emotions. You're tapped into touching moss or looking at a tree. Or suddenly this, this, you know, Michael has this funny habit of he'll start like making songs in the forest. Like he'll start like (laughs) rapping and making beats and songs. And he says some of his best music writing comes from mushroom hunting because when you're out in the forest... And the logical mind just disappears because after a while, you can't be logical because Eckhart Tolle put it well. He says, 
when you look at society and when you're walking around on the streets, sidewalks and people's lawns and the buildings, everything's right angles and sharp and buildings are specifically yep. built and there's very little chaos. when you, There is chaos, but there's less than when you go into a forest. Things are growing out of other logs. There's plants growing there. There's mushrooms decomposing this log. This thing's falling over on this. You've got to climb over it. You don't really have as many moments where you can slow down and just think about some process that's going on in your business or think about what's going on with some emotional, dramatic situation in your life. You have moments. Apologies for what may have seemed like an abrupt ending. I know I was disappointed that we were only able to capture half of the audio. The last bit, we discussed uh, the rest about masculine relationships, masculine bonds, and then we also talked a lot about immune system and health and low-hanging fruit for taking care of yourself and that is one of Shane's major competencies so I, I was disappointed like I said that we were we lost that but if you liked the episode if you enjoyed what Shane had to say if you enjoyed his stories please just send me a DM the more DMs we get, the more incentive Shane will have to come back on the show. I would love to have him for around two, three, four, five. Uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Apologies for cutting that off halfway. I was just filled with ecstasy that we were able to capture some of it, that not all of it got lost. And again, I appreciate everyone who listens to the show who gets value from the show who sends feedback and constructive positive criticism for the show it makes what i do uh, rewarding and meaningful helps me improve and so i'm looking forward to that feedback and i'm looking forward to having mr shane tyler milson back on the circle of podcast